0: Well, welcome, we're starting, if you're here for the first time, you are blessed because we're starting a new series, so nobody has anything else on you. When it comes to information, this is the brand new day, so <laughs> we're excited. We're starting a new series this week uh, for three weeks called Killing It, and uh, it's in the book of Leviticus. I've got a goat in the back, and we're going, no, I'm just kidding. That's, all the junior hires are like, yeah, all right, cool. Uh, no, we... Uh, we we're, I'm excited, um, actually. The teaching team, we got together and, uh, and we were talking about this one thing and we thought, you know what, this would just be so good, I think, um, for, uh, for everybody else to hear. Uh, No, actually, when when we start talking about this, you're going to understand why I make that as a joke, because this is one of those things that we always look around and we go, Man, I should text so and so because they're not here and they need to hear this. You know, you ever been there? You ever done that? That's happened to me before. Uh, But the truth is, God has you here to hear this for you. And so I believe that God, in His Word, is going to say some cool things, um, not just uh, to your brain to help you understand a couple of things, but really in your soul and in your spirit, where we're dealing with tough issues and, um, well, let's just, let's just be honest, brokenness, brokenness in our own life that God wants to work in and through. Um, and in, this is one of those areas that I believe uh, is a tough one. In fact, if I were to say it, it's this thing that gets inside of you and me and keeps us from or causes us to. I'm going to use those statements a couple of times. But again, this is the thing that gets in us and keeps us from or causes us to. This thing is so powerful that we don't always see what it's keeping us from, and we don't always know what it's causing us to do. For example, this thing is the first thing that keeps you from celebrating other people's success. This thing that keeps you from initiating that apology when you know you're wrong, maybe 100%, maybe just 5%. It's that thing that keeps you from arguing your point or still arguing your point and trying to convince others of, that, of, uh, of your point of view even when you know you're not right. The thing that keeps you from admitting you're lost, you're weak, you're addicted, you need help, etc. It's the thing that keeps you from being honest with yourself and honest with others. It's the thing that keeps you from truly learning from others because you want others around you to think you know everything. I can be guilty of that. But besides keeping you from something, it's also causing you to feel good when others fail, especially those that you really have been hoping that they fail, and when they do, you feel really good. It causes you to power up when you should be opening up. It causes you to cheat before you lose. It causes you to lie about or cover up your past or your failures. Or maybe that, that, that fact that you didn't want people to know. Maybe you didn't get that graduation certificate. Or maybe you, you were in rehab. Or maybe that, that, that relationship prior to the one you are in now that everybody praises. You don't want to tell them that past relationship or the past 18 relationships. It causes you to always have the final word or the final play in any interaction. It causes you to buy all the newest stuff so that you can continue to impress those around you and they're not even really paying attention to what you have anyway. I think many of you have already got the idea of what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. And you're like, oh good, I'm glad I came to church. Right? I guess if I were to put it simply, that thing that keeps us from or that thing that causes us to so much in our lives. Well, it's pride. It's pride. That's why for the next three weeks we really want to look at this. Because I feel that pride is one of those things. In fact, when you when you look at the scriptures, pride is really one of those things that you always look at someone else and say they've got it. But it's almost impossible to look in the mirror and see pride. Because it's so invasive. You know, it's so self-effacing. It's like every time you think you see it, it's gone. That's pride, especially in our own life. And, and we want to look at this idea of maybe, maybe, maybe God wants to do something in my life that pride has been keeping Him from. Or causing me to do something I didn't even realize. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about this. And I like to give a, a simple take-home truth every week when we talk, just to to kind of reiterate what we really want to say. And and this take-home truth, I believe, is simple. I put keep in it twice. I I probably shouldn't, but maybe because I'm emphasizing. But it says this, pride keeps us from the life God has for us and also keeps us from being Jesus' servant. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to open up a Bible passage with you. So if you could stand with me as we read God's Word in Matthew chapter 20, I think this Bible passage really emphasizes what it is in pride. And, and, and we're going to talk about it, but before we do, let's read it, and then we're going to get into some things on pride. So, uh, verse 20 of chapter 20 says this, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down, and asked a favor of him, of Jesus. What is it you want? Jesus asked. He, she said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in the kingdom. You've got to love this story, Right? Hey, anybody ever had a mom that embarrassed them? <laughs> I, I love my mom, but I could see my mom doing this, you know? Come on, come on. We're going to go to Jesus. Come here. Come on. Sit down. Sit down. Okay, Jesus, see my two sons. <laughs> I just love this. It's such a great This is where the Bible is so real. I'm sorry. I'll shut up now, but I just think it's so good. Um, Jesus says this in verse 22. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you really drink the cup I'm going to drink? Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Of course we can. I added that for emphasis, but you need to understand that's what's in the Greek. That's the subtext in the Greek, okay? Verse 23, Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Now when the, her, the ten heard about this, the, the rest of the disciples, they were indignant with these two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, you may be seated. Um, So a couple things before we jump into this verse, because I really believe this verse underlines a lot of what we struggle with, with pride. Uh, First and foremost, I do want to talk and give a couple key points, I believe, on pride that will help us to understand this verse as we come to it. First and foremost, pride keeps us small. Pride is keeping you small. See, we, we, we act most of the time as if pride will actually make us bigger. Actually, you know, if we puff ourselves up, if we, if we tell that story about that one time, or, or, or we point to the car we drive, or, or we do these things where we, 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 we can puff ourselves up, we, we can seem bigger, but the truth is, we, we're actually getting smaller. See, pride doesn't make you bigger or badder, it keeps you smaller and worse. See, there have been those times in our lives, every single one of us I can think can I identify with some of these stories in here, but there's been these times in our lives where pride has, has crept into work or in our relationships, and in that moment we needed to grow and be the bigger person and maybe apologize regardless of whose fault it was, or regardless where the blame should go, but instead our pride creeps up, and as we puff ourselves up, we actually become smaller. We actually become smaller. Or how about those times when you're talking to a colleague or a peer at school or maybe even a friend and they have made a point that you know, you know it, in the back of your mind, you don't want to to believe it, but you know it, nullifies your point and your position or your argument. And instead of acknowledging their point and instead of lifting them up and being the bigger person and saying, you know what, I I didn't realize that. Pride creeps in and you become smaller as you keep on arguing or walk away or go... Talk to the hand, baby. You know what I'm saying? And maybe pride is keeping you from complimenting or encouraging your son or your daughter or spouse or friend. or And unfortunately, they're not getting from you the bigger life that God has for you or, or the bigger relationship that God has for you because in your pride, you're keeping it small. And when things get deep and things get tough and things get hard and, and you know, those the, 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 the times that are going to come where you have a chance to grow relationally with that person, maybe it's a friend and, and instead of instead of your pride kicking in and making a joke, you shouldn't, but you can't because you're small. Maybe it's keeping you from hearing the things that you truly need to hear. False pride has kept you so long from receiving and the loving words from family or friends and even that spouse that has almost given up telling you the truth because in your pride you you, you keep it small. And I, that can't be me. You know, and it's keeping you from the bigger life that God has for you. So pride is that powerful and we don't even know it. It keeps you from the bigger life that God has for you. Keeping you small. Secondly, pride keeps us solo. It, 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 it can make us small, but it can also make us solo. Now, what do I mean of that? Uh, think about it. If we see when you're full of you, there's no room for anybody else. It has, pride has a tendency to crowd everybody out to the corners of the room. Pride has a has a way of keeping you solo. It doesn't allow for a duet, a duet or a dialogue. In in pride, it's more about a solo that gives you want to get up on stage, it's all about you singing. The, it's it's American Idol, right? I, I, one of the things I love about American Idol, is, it, they're, they're going to be canceled next year. I know. I know. Some of you are like, what? I, 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 I waited about 12 years to finally watch the show. And then I started watching it. I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. But, but one of the interesting parts of it is, here's this American Idol, and it's all about the solo, and let me get up there and do it. But when they force them to work together, oh my gosh! The egos and the pride that comes out. and I was doing great, but this person and this person, I just need to get up there and sing myself. It's about my solo. Right? No. Pride keeps us from that duet. The beautiful chorus of voices that can be heard. When you only hear one, it's solo. It's the idea of a dialogue, not a monologue. See, I think the saddest thing about pride keeping a solo is keeping you from an intimate life of God, the community of God. See, I I, I heard a pastor say it this way and I, I really liked it. He said this, pride makes everyone else less important, keeps us from truly listening and learning from others and just perpetuates our isolation as pride slowly pushes others away. See, when you're full of pride, there's no room for God. The only God is yourself. In, ta- in, in Psalm chapter 10, verse 4, it says this, In his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. There's no room for him. He's not needed. Why? Because the prideful person has their own God. It's themselves. It keeps others from getting close. It keeps God at arm's length. It can keep spouses and kids and family and friends from truly thinking they're loved and cared by you. Pride is truly a prison of one. See, this is what we see if we come back to the passage here in the sons of Zebedee as Mama brings them forward, right, before Jesus. I love this. In verse 20, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons kneeling down and asked a favor of him. What is it you want? Jesus said. She said, Grant that, that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in the kingdom. Ba- basically, okay, Jesus, you know what? You want to know who's the bomb? You want to know who's the best? It's my sons. See, it's the pride of the mama, right? I, 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 have you ever been together with a bunch of other parents, especially when your kids were little? Oh, gosh. Doesn't it just get horrible sometimes? Well, my son is studying Latin. They're one. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but you should hear the Latin. It's great. No, they're one. You know, I mean, there's just this idea of pushing, pushing. And and here's Mama, and she says, my kids are the best. They should be at your left and at your right. And the interesting thing about that is, is when you look at the old Middle Eastern, ancient Near East culture, the idea of sitting to the left and the right is like the best. You have the king, but then you have the king's right-hand man. And then you have the king's advisor or viceroy. You have this whole idea of, you know what, that's the king. But those are the two other best people. You see, and so she's like, when it comes to my sons, one of them should be there, maybe two. Come on, pride. And the interesting thing about this is right before this scene, see, the Bible doesn't just do things haphazardly. Right before this scene, you have Jesus for the fourth time, the fourth time, saying, okay, guys, and he gets them all together, gets all his disciples, says, I am going to the cross. I'm going to die for your sins. I'm going to the cross and I'm going to die I'm going to die a horrible death he says that I'm going to the cross and I'm going to die a horrible death I mean he's not saying this like look what I'm doing I'm so great but he says this is what I got to do I'm sacrificing myself because you'll never understand the power of the resurrection unless you go through the pain of the cross and he's telling them these things and he's sharing this and they go "Uh uh-huh that's great now where's my position You, you get it that's the ridiculousness of this and yet it's isn't that pride Someone comes to you and they say something and all they want you to do is acknowledge it. To to hold them up and just say, you know what? We can go deeper in this relationship but instead you go, "Mm, let me tell you about me. Let me show you what I have. And you push them away. Pride. Even the disciples got it. They had to learn. See, if I were to put it simply with a little... uh, A little object lesson. Following Jesus Jesus means we give Him the remote control of our life. Any any husbands out there fight for this? i got four kids. i got to fight for this a lot. Okay? We take it away from self. And we give it to Jesus. See, only as we follow Jesus can we truly take the remote control out of ourselves' hands, out of of our, our own hands of pride, and give it to the one that will make us free through the cross. See, only Jesus will have the humility to truly, only through Jesus, I should say, will we have the humility to truly admit when we've been wrong or not going the right way or we've messed up or screwed up or need help. See, because Jesus lived the ultimate opposite way of pride. And that's what He goes on to talk about here. See, He lived the life of humility. It's awesome. I mean, if if you're ever just really wanting to pick up some scripture and chew on it for a while and meditate on it, get to Philippians chapter 2 because there is some amazing stuff there. As it said, even though he was equal with God, literally God, same, on the same level, same, he's God. He did not consider that something to cling to that he took the form of a slave, a servant, a doulos, a bond slave, and became a human being, even more so a human being who died a death on a cross. Awesome! He didn't deserve to be there. But he does it because he didn't want God in his community to be solo. He wanted to include you and me in the communion of the church and the believers With Jesus. It's awesome. The cross shows us what pride ultimately leads to. See, this last part of this, real simply, is our pride not only keeps us small and solo, but it also killed our Savior. Verse 22, You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, Sure, we can, Jesus. Yeah, we can do that. Really? You're going to go to the cross and die for the sins of the whole mankind? Go for it. You, you can't. But in their pride, they think they can. Because their pride is what put Jesus on the cross. See, I can do this. Pride was right at the beginning with the Garden of Eden when you had Adam and Eve and they go, hey, God said, but we really can. We can do this. I got this. Pride's more than just saying, honey, be quiet, I know where I'm going. <laughs> it's the truth with saying, God, you know what? Mm, I got it. It's pride all the way through. Can you take the cup? Absolutely, God. I'll take the cup. See, maybe in your pride, you have said absolutely to things you didn't fully get. Just like the sons of Zebedee here. Oh, I'll drink from it. Maybe it was the cup of success. You really believed you could work 25 hours a day. You really believe that if you drank from that cup, you could succeed, and your family would be great, and no one else would get hurt, and you could do it, and you're... You know what? But the truth is, it, your, your world's a mess, and it's falling apart. And now you're small, and you're solo. And maybe it's the cup of addiction. I, I remember back when I was a kid, and I was like, hey, I can do these things. I'm never going to be like that guy. Well, two years later, I was that guy. You, you get what I'm saying? And, 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 maybe, and maybe it's not just... The cup of addiction when it comes to, when it comes to drugs, maybe it's the cup of addiction for pleasure. Maybe it's the, the cup of addiction when it, when, when it comes to success and money, and because it, is, is enough really enough? Or do you need more and more and more and more and it'll never really satisfy? And you really thought you could drink from that cup and be fine, but you can't. And that cup is boring over and making a mess everywhere, and you're small and solo. Maybe it's the cup of your relationships. You really believed you could handle the relationships and you didn't need anyone, including God, to tell you how to have an awesome relationship. And now it shows. Maybe there's people in your family that you've given up on or maybe they've given up on you. maybe your marriage is in shambles or at least underneath where most people see it's not what you know, it should be. But you just can't seem to put the cup down and in your pride, you keep going and going and going. We have to deal with this. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to drink the cup that we couldn't drink, to take our pride away. Lastly, pride keeps us squabbling. I love this because it's, you know, here's Mama and the two sons of Zebedee and look at my boys. Well, the other disciples are sitting in the back going, oh no, she didn't. Right? They're back there going, what the? Did she really? Oh, you know, they're not saying anything because it's mama and you don't want to get a side slap from mama, so they're probably waiting until she leaves. But then they're like, "Jesus, what the heck?" They're indignant, it says. I love that word indignant. Resentful, disgruntled, or disgruntled, displeased, cross, angry, mad, annoyed, offended, exasperated, irritated, etc., because that never happens to us. We n- we never get irritated. We we never we never we never get disgruntled, displeased, cross, angry, mad. See, the disciples start to squabble because in their pride they believe, that's my spot. They were just mad they didn't have their mama coming forward too. Proverbs 13.10 says this, pride leads to conflict, pride leads to squabbles. Those who take advice are wise. You see, there will never be peace where there's pride. There's always going to be anger. There's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be indignancy. You will continue to be offended, you will continue to be hurt, you will be feel dissed, whatever you want to say when pride has control. That's why Jesus brings them back together and says, okay, okay, <laughs> hold up guys, let, let me tell you what we have to do with this pride as it starts to get out of control. As, as he says, let me help you take the remote control away, give it to me. This last part I think is, this is what we need to hear in this first part if you really want to be a follower of God, killing pride means we live as a servant. This is that last part. See, he says, not so with you. He's got his disciples around. And, and, and can I just say, I love the disciples because they're just like you and me. They're not the A team. They're not even the B team. They're the Z team. They're way down the road. And you might be thinking, I'm sorry if I hurt your pride here. Hey, hey I'm kind of the B team. I might be the A team. Well, you know what? Compared to Jesus, we're not even on the map. And he comes to them and says, not so with you guys. Let, let me explain something to you. And I, I love this. Who, whoever wants to become great among you must really try hard, get the best car, get the best degree. Get the no, he doesn't say that, right? Who, whoever wants to be the greatest, you've got you to gotta do the 10,000 hour principle. Work at it. 10,000 hours, you'll be great. No, he, what does he say here? Completely opposite of anything we'll hear in the world around us. If you want to be great, you must be a servant. And what I love about Jesus is he didn't just say it, he showed it. Jesus himself, the God of the universe, literally who created all three, all things with his breath and keeps all things going. He didn't come to be served but came to serve. And he's talking to a bunch of knuckleheads. Yeah. He even washed their feet. They're stinky feet. And this is what kills me, and I have to remember this. He went to Judas, the guy that betrayed him with a kiss, sold him down the river for 30 pieces of silver. He washes his feet. Of all the people that can say, I don't got to take this. I haven't done anything wrong. He serves. He serves. And he serves all the way to the cross. And, And I sit here and I say... I can't talk to so-and-so. God, do you know what kind of jerk they are? That guy dissed me! <laughs> that, that, that lady drives me crazy! I can't talk to her! I know I'm, I'm different than you. You guys have never done this, right? Instead of being a servant, in our pride we're small, solo, and squabbling. And you you just can't say that you might be wrong to your kids or your spouse. You can't just let go. You see, Jesus shows us the model. The only way to truly give the remote to Jesus is to be a servant. I want to take time right now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. This was a quick message because I don't think there's really much to say when it comes to Being a servant, I mean, just let's be honest. You're either going to listen to Him and follow Him and serve as He served or or you're going to walk out of here saying, I don't got to do that. But right now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to submit humbly to the Holy Spirit. There's lines in your notes there that are empty for a reason. What I'd love for you to do is take this time and say, God, where am I prideful? Does it have to do with my family? Guilty. Does it have to do sometimes with, you know, my work? Guilty. But where? Because God is not just a God that says, Hey, here's some great ideas, and then takes off. No, He's a God that actually washed the feet of the guys He was working with. He served. The Holy Spirit wants to serve you today as the great counselor to bring to life your Things where you're walking with this in your hands thinking you've got control. So what does God want to say to you? What has God been trying to tell you? Because let me just say, He's got bigger and bigger jackhammers that He brings into people's lives. You know what I like? I was told this a long time ago. He starts with that little archaeology hammer in our life. You know that little tiny archaeology hammer where they don't want to break a single thing and it's like this big and it's it's very small and it's just cracking away the little stuff cuz you've got the precious thing there. But eventually what happens is when that doesn't work after a while, you got to bring out the bigger hammer. And then pretty soon you got the ball peen. And then pretty soon you you've got the bobcat with the jackhammer going 100 miles an hour. And some of you have the little hammers right now. Listen to the Lord. But well, some of you have got the jackhammer. Listen to the Lord. What is he saying? Where is your pride keeping you from? What is your pride causing you to? You want the life God has for you. Don't miss that. Lord, we come to you and I know I gotta sit down and I gotta have my own list because there are things in my life where I keep people away. There are things in my life that Pride is causing me to. God, I might be up here talking as a pastor, but that doesn't mean I don't struggle with pride. So Lord, we just, as your people, as your brothers and sisters, as Jesus, you call us friends. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us right now, each and every one of us, to write down those things that you bring to our mind and give them to you. one of the hardest things to do if people are married here is to go to our spouse and say, okay, because I know for a fact our spouse will tell us the truth. Do we want to hear it? Lord, help us to not continue to cling to this remote control, to be small and solo and squabble. You went to the cross be our Savior. So Father, we just want to give our lives to you now. And if there's anybody here that's dealing with stuff, I pray that they would come and they would sit and we could pray with them and we could help them, we could lift them up to you. The King of Kings. In the Ministry of Reconciliation. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.